the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Skagit Farmers Supply operates three full-service agronomy centers, trained agronomists, precision equipment, and a full range of crop protection. Located in western Washington, they market organic bagged products in stores throughout the Northwest, including Hawaii and Alaska, which are available for pickup or delivery. Skagit Farmers Supply services nurseries providing service to large-scale production as well as smaller rural living enthusiasts. Visit SkagitFarmers.com today for all of your agronomy needs. I'm ready for Christmas. The shopping is all done and the gifts are wrapped. What did you get me? Who was that? Me, your house. I was thinking I deserve a gift this year, too. What were you thinking? I'm getting older and could use some updates. My heating and cooling systems are getting older and they're not as efficient. It'd be nice to replace them before they totally fail. That is a good idea. I heard Linden Sheet Metal is having a winter sale. They are a great company. And hey, while you're at it, a cozy fireplace might be nice. And Linden Sheet Metal has those too. Give your home a gift this Christmas season. We have furnace, air conditioning, and heat pump discounts up to $900 off. Utility rebates up to $1,500, and starting January 1st, there are tax credits up to $2,000, and it doesn't end there. All our showroom fireplaces are 40% off, and new ones are $300 off installation. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. I and a lot of other people would like to see Biden rot in hell. You know what? He gave away our biggest bargaining chip. Each weekday at 4 p.m. You know, I kind of agree that if Griner was a white sheetrock hanger from uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and I think it did the same thing, yeah, he'd probably still be there. That's just the way the world turns. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. We finally made it to winter time. This is about the time of the year where I mentioned how everybody's kind of breathing a sigh of relief, except for those poor dairy guys. I mean, at least they aren't dealing with crops, but they still have animals to milk and animals to feed year round. But, uh, you know, the crop guys, the berry guys, you name it, they're having a chance here to look back at how did the season go? What are we going to do next year? Uh, kind of some weird moments in the past season for crops and for weather and for farming here in the Pacific Northwest um, and Whatcom County in particular. Uh, this is the Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Glad you're here uh, with me on your Saturday morning. You know what? This fall in particular kind of left things hanging in some ways. You know, potato digging got weird because of that. Um, everybody was enjoying the warm temperatures until it just went right from summer to, to winter, basically, didn't it? Joining me right now with CHS Northwest, uh, an agronomist there, and a longtime buddy of mine, classmate of mine, played high school uh, football with him. Uh, Joe Vanderpoel, welcome to the program, Joe. Um, it was kind of a, a weird end to the season, right? I don't know I how you work with probably potato guys, probably some dairy guys with corn and grass 
and crops and, and, and then berry folks as well, which I know is quite a bit of your background in the farming world. But let's start with the potatoes and then kind of work backward. They actually had to put water on to get their spuds out of the ground. Usually they're dealing with too much mud and too much water it was the opposite this year. What, what did you hear from guys out there? Yeah, Dylan, thanks for having me. Um, it was, it was really dry and we could have, we really needed some rain to get ground softened up and to knock some dust down. And everybody that tried to do a fall harvest really struggled with that on one hand. But on the other hand, we really needed the, the warm weather to get things to finish. It's just, we kind of ran out of days for spuds. So they yeah. got killed off and it didn't really affect them. Well, as that, far and, as, and, uh, yeah. And that goes back. I mean, the days to finish them off that you mentioned, that goes back to how things got started in the spring, which was bizarre too, right? You know, the whole summer and in, into the fall, I was saying is almost like everything was delayed by almost a month, right? Yeah. And that extended digging period, I mean, it was obviously better than trying to mud them out, but they weren't able to, you know, they still had to kill them in order to get them out. And, uh, we just got such a late start on them. It was, it really made for a tough potato year. Now with potatoes, you know, I'm a little more familiar with corn because I planted corn for, um, well, it wasn't CHS Northwest then, but Whatcom family or Whatcom farmers, uh, co-op back in the day, um, days to maturity, you know, I was used to more of that, you know, the different numbers and seed types, hybrids, yada, yada. But for potatoes, what kind of days from planting to maturity are, are they talking about with those? What are the ranges there? Because they weren't really you know, able it, to get it, everything planted really until just, like May. End of May. Yeah, it's really dependent upon variety. And yeah. um, some varieties plant better in different soils. So you, you can't necessarily... Uh, to plant you can't necessarily plant around it you just have to go when the dirt's ready to go for where you're at and uh, unfortunately some of them just didn't have enough day length and we didn't get the yield because of it and watching things in the spring it was like the, the last field it was so wet and it rained so late in into the season and then you can't the, the, the last fields that you can get to to plant are the wettest ones and so you know i was nervous a lot of people were nervous well those are going to be the hardest those need the most time they're going to mature the latest into the fall and they're going to be the ones that get too wet to harvest most quickly well that didn't end up being really a problem at all did anybody have, i mean i'm assuming everybody had basically all of their spuds out of the ground before the rain hit yeah, the, the getting them out of the ground wasn't a problem. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. It was a problem because yeah. it was too dry to dig. But it, it wasn't because it got too wet. But another th factor there was when it did finally dry up enough, it was just there was no moisture. You know, yeah. you didn't get any rain after that. And yeah, it was unfortunately just a tough year. And watering ahead of digging to actually be able to have soil moisture there, you know, I'm not too much of a potato expert. And by the way, I should mention for, for people who don't know a ton about uh, Whatcom County agriculture, all the potatoes grown commercially here are for seed. This is a seed potato protected uh, growing region for certified seed potatoes, very similar to commercial potatoes for people to eat um, in a lot of ways, uh, but still it's for seed, not for eating. It, the The issue there from what I understand, and again, I'm not a huge expert, but you just got to soften the clods of dirt. Because when dirt dries out, you get all these clods. The diggers dig them up just like potatoes then, and you've got to sort through potatoes and, and clods of dirt, and somebody has to choose which is which. 
Yeah, and trying to get dirt to flow through the machines. And, yeah. Yep. All right. Again, Joe Vanderpaul, agronomist with uh, CHS Northwest, is with us on the farming show right now, uh, taking a look back at twenty twenty two and kind of the weird year that it was. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, we talked about potatoes and getting them out of the ground at the end of the the season. Back to the beginning, it was so wet. It was really a big question mark for a while. Like, what? How are these berry crops going to do? Um, particularly, of course, red raspberries and blueberries, which are our big berry crops here locally. How did things actually end up turning out for those guys? You know, there was quite a bit of root rot that came into some raspberry fields, which was expected. Um, I think the raspberry crop would have been better, but we had some heat damage again this year. and It wasn't, it wasn't to the extent of last year. Yeah. Um, but I think... Uh, a lot of guys were hoping for quite a bit more tonnage than we got, but the market was still pretty strong, which did help a little bit in the raspberries. Yeah, so they, I mean, we did have some hot, we didn't have a heat dome like we had in 2021, which, I mean, for people who had a lot of fruit still in the bush at that point, uh, which was a lot of the crop, uh, a lot of that shriveled away. It was really hard on the blueberries too, and we can get into how the blueberries did this year as well. But you're saying that even some of the heat that we had this year, um, what shriveled some berries up or, or what did yeah, it really you know do that he came kind of right about the wrong time for raspberries because they were in the uh depending a little bit on variety again but so a lot of varieties were in the peak of production and the plants just can't keep up with that type of fruit load and that type of heat so a lot of a lot of fruit got smaller we had some fruit drying out and uh on struggling some of the struggling fields with struggling root issues to begin with it was especially right. apparent but yeah, and like I said, the yield wasn't as bad as the year before, but I think everybody was just hoping this was going to be that year we could really hit it, and it didn't quite end up that way. Yeah. Anybody throw numbers around, like percentages, roughly what they think maybe they were down from what they could have been? You know, that that's a number that's all over the board because people <laughs> yeah. get different yields. Uh, so. And and what do you have to compare against? I mean, there's no, no control to say what you would have gotten – um, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. With all that rain, wet dirt, raspberries don't like that. That's why they grow well in well-drained soil. They grow poorly uh, in heavier soils. Everything was heavy soil with all the rain we had coming down. Like you said, root rot was a problem. Well, if you have disease in your roots, that the root system of the plant is weak, then yeah, when things do turn around, you have all this fruit then sizing up on the bush. It needs to be pulling up a lot of water uh, to support all this. It, if you don't have the root system there, the whole plant just kind of pukes out and, and more heat actually makes that happen faster. So I, I didn't put those two together, but yeah, rain and then heat. It's not like it cancels it out. It can actually make it worse how about the the blueberries there have been some talk that there'd be be some holdover damage actually from the heat damage the year before with the heat dome yeah and it didn't seem to be that bad um one thing about these permanent crops it makes it really difficult for guys to get through and get work done when we have all this wet ground and they end up trying to this was kind of finishing the raspberries but also yeah. for blueberries you end up pushing your tractors through and then you start making holes in your fields it was just a real struggle this wet spring for us for for um, all the crops that we grow up here yeah then that was you probably you can't pump around those holes you know the wet spots in your field you're, you're forced to go through them yep yeah when you have a row crop like that with permanent trellis in place it's not like you have a choice uh to go around it 
Um, and unfortunately, yeah. I did see a lot of that, you know, chained up tractors just to get rigs through. Um, and yeah, I'm sure a lot for of these you guys had to work really hard. I, I'm sure for you guys, too, that messed things up. You know, even timing as far as, you know, getting various applications of things on, there tends to be a bit of a pattern. I remember from, from working at that, you know, at the co-op myself, it was kind of like, okay, this is the busy time. This is the first application of fertilizer. Or this is the first. Th Everything was pushed back and kind of squeezed into weird places. It was probably kind of chaotic for you guys, I would imagine, on the back end. Yeah, I think everybody in agriculture, they just had to... Uh... You know, it's kind of a hurry up and wait year. You know, you, there's only so much you can do. But uh, yeah, I think it's a real good one to have behind us. Yeah, we survived it, I guess, at least. Again, Joe Vanderpaul is with us here on the Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here with you on your Saturday morning on KGMI. Um, what about the what about the dairy folks? The the corn. And, and gra you know, if, if I was saying this spring, this is a grass-grown spring. So people had some outstanding grass crops. If there was anything that liked that soggy weather, it was the grass. Yeah, and it was, if you guys could get in on some early new seedings, they did awesome. Uh, some of our later new seedings really struggled because it's, it's really tough to keep enough moisture in a new grass field uh, in late June, early July. But yeah. for rotation, sometimes we just had to go for it and... Uh, those ones struggled, but the early ones did really good. And there were some really big, heavy cuttings on the first couple cuttings. And then uh, when the rain stopped, some of the grass petered out. But, yeah, it was uh, interesting to get through. Yeah, and, and as far as corn goes, too, I mean, I was watching that play out. And, again, with my background doing that, I'm feeling so bad for these guys trying to figure out when they could plant. Their fields are underwater. They're just out there trying to work them to get them dry enough to quick plant before the next rainstorm would come if they could sneak it in. Of course, then you worry about, well, you, you get a bunch of seed in the ground and you get a whole bunch more rain. You could just flood out what you just seeded and have to do it all over again. Um, and it, everything started so late. It was like, man, are we even going to get a corn crop at all? You know, knee high by the 4th of July. Forget about it. It was like knee high by the 4th of August. It looked like it was going to be terrible. Um, how did it turn out? I mean, corn is all about the, the days to maturity and those heat units that it needs, but they kind of got lucky at the end of the season, didn't they? Yeah. I mean, obviously we could have a little moisture in September would have been nice to help yeah. finish, but, uh, we were really fortunate that we could get as much heat as we could in the fall because otherwise we were looking at some really, really light crops and, um, ended up being okay. Some guys did better than others, but, uh, it could have been a lot worse. I mean, if yeah. we would have had a September like uh, the year before where it started raining and didn't stop, yeah. I, we would have been a real struggle. So that, that, that dry fall did really help finish some corn. And uh, it really made it, you know, you talk to people and they said, well, this, I think this might be the first year we ever uh, got through corn season without rain coming on our bunker. <laughs> and it was, uh, people weren't getting stuck, but, it was a challenge for him to harvest and all that dust. I don't know if you watched any anybody chopping, oh, but yeah. there, uh, it was a dust bowl out there. And, yeah, but they got through it. Yeah, what do you do? I mean, it's frustrating. You see all that dust blowing around. Nobody wants that, but there's a crop no. there that's got to come off. I mean, what, what else can you do? Yeah, and I think most people made the best of it and got through it. And, uh, you know, there's never going to be that perfect year, but this one was definitely – a challenge from start to finish yeah for sure okay so looking forward with the way things ended kind of weird in the fall 
what are you telling guys? What are people kind of scheming out there for next year? You know, because the fall time is setting things up for the next year, especially with cover crops and soil health. Um, you know, it's too late now, but earlier manure application, things like that. That was really tough with all the dry. A lot of fields didn't really get a cover crop established, and some fields are kind of looking rough now in, going into the winter with, with you know, soil structure and soil health. Yeah, unfortunately, there just wasn't a fall to get a lot of cover crops established. You know, people, people tried, but a lot of it just by the time we had enough moisture to get a cover crop, they would go in and then the, the, it got so cold so quick. So, yeah. Um, I think though, moving forward, a lot of guys probably trying to keep in perspective that this was an anomaly and we don't have to worry about this every year. Um, yeah, let's hope as not. far as the, the soil structure goes, there's, there's not a lot we can change at this point. Um, and most of our ground around here is pretty healthy without people take care of it. So, we should be okay coming into next spring. Yeah, as long as there'll be not... a little bit of an issue with some water standing in spots that yep. we normally wouldn't have. But uh, yeah, it should. Hopefully, we get a nice spring and and we can get things going again. Yeah, I, I've seen quite a bit of that, including uh, in the fields that were once my dad's berry fields, and you know they did spuds in there this year, and and there was not the moisture to get any sort of cover crop established before the days got too short and the rain and the cold showed up. Now that field doesn't want to drain at all um, with all that powder that, that got left on the top. But, but what do you do short of, you know, try to get a lot of, you know, uh, I guess uh, carbon content, uh, humus, uh, get some, get some uh, soil structure going again with some manure in the, in the spring. But until then, you're kind of stuck, right? Yeah, and, you know, in the spring, uh, they will eventually drain down and people will get through and bring that soil back to life, get it aerated again, and uh, it'll be ready. Yeah. Uh, what what uh, are you guys looking forward to? Anything new on the horizon as the, uh, you know, the 23 season will be here quicker than we know it? Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I, I can't think of anything real new on the horizon that we got to look forward to. Uh, I guess hopefully we're going to just look forward to a little bit more of a, break into it spring easy yeah <laughs> a little easier you know what i mean that's i guess what what we're really hoping for is that we get a little better break in the weather early yeah and the climate people are saying um late this winter things are going to be shifting over to an el nino which as we've been seeing this el nino la nina stuff only tells you so much about what the weather is actually going to do um, but typically they say el nino is warmer and drier here in the pacific northwest um, that could potentially be a good thing as long as we have the snowpack and the and the aquifer recharge and all the water that we need going into the season uh, to get us through. So, um, yeah, uh, what else? What else do you do other than buckle up and say let's let's try this again? How how are growers feeling out there? They they feel like they're really struggling right now. You know, between and we've been talking about the crops and the weather and all that, but they've got market forces. They've got a lot of things. You you work one on one with a lot of these folks around the county. What's what's the general mood? I, I know it's been been rough out there. Yeah, it's been tough. I mean, markets for what it's worth are are fairly strong. Blueberry market's a little bit soft, obviously, but uh, yeah. it's it's it was a tough year between uh, fuel prices and prices of fertilizer and labor prices it's all gone up so much so yeah um the markets have to come up in order to keep moving forward and um yeah 
hopefully we can get some good crops back up next year. And <laughs> I've heard hopefully from... some hopefully some of the fuel and fertilizer costs can come down a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think we're unfortunately stuck with the labor costs. Yeah, what is the scoop on fertilizer prices? I know they were just skyrocketing with everything that was going on with you know oil and Ukraine and all this stuff. I mean, we were obviously seeing it at the pump, but it was affecting fertilizer too. Is is you said you're hoping those come? Is there any indication those are coming down? You know, we're we're hoping that's that's starting to soften a little bit. So, well, we'll take anything we can get at this point. I know. That, I think there was two ninety nine uh, at the gas pump the other day, and I thought, okay, well, maybe there is a little light at the end of the tunnel because I was sick of paying five bucks a gallon earlier this year. That was painful, and and that's very much tied to things like commercial fertilizer, as well. Uh, again, just at the mercy of the markets. I know some dairy folks that I talked to say, okay, yeah, markets are up. And you, you just said this too, Joe, you know, markets may be up, but they were saying, well, my costs are even that much higher. So I'm actually making less money, uh, even with, you know, some of the highest milk prices they had seen in a long time. I don't know if that applies. You know, I know br- blueberry prices, you said, are a bit soft, but they've been okay. Raspberry prices are still up, but input costs are still up. That's the other side of the equation that most people don't think about. Um, you can have high prices and it can still be a, a rough year uh, with everything else going on with the inflation that we're seeing. So hopefully everybody makes it again. Thank you, Joe uh, Vanderpaul, agronomist with CHS Northwest for checking in with us this morning and uh, doing what you do out there. We, we appreciate your time this morning. All right. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Appreciate it. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory-trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. Dewey Griffin Subaru is driven by one simple concept. If we all give a little, we'll all have a lot. Kindness, care, and safety have never been more important. That's why Subaru and the Dewey team are doing their part to keep you and your loved ones safe while driving. Stop by Dewey to learn about special ordering locally and supporting your local Subaru dealership. Dewey Griffin Subaru. During the Subaru Share the Love event, Subaru will donate $250 to purchaser or lessee selected national and hometown charities. See retailer or Subaru.com slash share for details. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, located in Bellingham on Kentucky Street, is here for your auto repair and service needs. Trusted and affordable auto repair in Bellingham for over 25 years. Ask about their oil change and maintenance inspections. You can hear Brian from Dr. John's Auto Clinic every Saturday on In the Shop on Newstalk 790 KGMI. Or check out Dr. John's Auto Clinic at djautoclinic.com. And on Facebook for the latest in auto repair news. Dr. John's Auto Clinic, reliable, honest, and a part of this community for over 25 years. Put a frog in boiling water and it'll jump right out. But put a frog in cool water and slowly heat it up, that frog will boil. As veterans, we tell ourselves the lie that we can handle anything. We let the water boil. You are not a frog. 
If you or a veteran you know needs support, don't wait. Reach out. Find resources at va.gov reach. That's va.gov reach. Brought to you by the United States Department of Veterans Affairs and the Ad Council. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. It was a different season for sure. And how did the blueberries do here in Whatcom County? The numbers are still coming in apparently for the total harvest of the blue fruit but it looks like blueberries just continue to grow here in the pacific northwest uh and grow of course they grow i mean production continues to increase here in the pacific northwest and particularly here in washington state welcome to the farming show i'm dylan honkoop a lot of that uh, blueberry production happens here in western washington an increasing amount is happening in eastern washington as well and joining me from over there right now it's where he's based is the executive director of the washington Blueberries, Washington State Blueberry Commission, Alan Schreiber. Uh, Alan, thanks for being here. And I had the, the chance to sit in on a presentation you gave a couple of weeks ago uh, at the Small Fruit Conference here in Linden, uh, talking about, as you called it, the state of the Washington blueberry industry. Where do we, where do we start with this? I mean, let's start with, I guess, this past season, it was a weird one, but the numbers that you were showing were encouraging, at least as far as how, how people made out um, with their production uh, in 2022. Uh, where are the numbers at right now? We are a few days from having all the numbers in. We have a number of growers who have not yet reported their assessments. It appears we're going to be at a little bit of a similar level as we were last year, which was uh, the most blueberries uh, Washington had ever produced. Uh, Washington appears to still remain as the number one supplier of blueberries in U.S. and Canada. Uh, In Whatcom County, the results were a little mixed. We had some growers were actually down from last year. Some growers were up from last year. Um, I would probably guess that the average yield for established blueberries was down a little bit, but we have new production coming on that is uh, making up for that shortfall. I suspect if we have a normal growing season next year that we will produce 
by far the most fruit that's come out of Whatcom County. So we how, had some, how many million pounds was last year? And, and you're saying you're approaching the, the number of last year? That is that is correct. Um, actually, I can't do the math in my head, but we had 173 million pounds, and 40% of that came from Whatcom County. Wow. Um, so I can't I can't do the well, math. Well, 100 for all of Washington State, 173. 173 million pounds of blueberries? Yes, that and that's uh, that is uh, a lot of blueberries. <laughs> and Washington State, you know, there are these other parts of the country, particularly Michigan, that comes to mind being historical powerhouses in blueberry production. Now Washington State surpasses that anywhere else in the country. By, by, by far. I, I did some quick math while you were talking, and uh, Whatcom County produced about 70 million pounds of, of blueberries last year. Um, I would say Whatcom County produced as much as Michigan did or close to what Michigan produced. i also point out that uh, number two and number three spots are Oregon and British Columbia. So I think the real story is the Northwest um, is the uh, is, is the place where blueberry production is shifting. You throw California in and the, the West Coast is dominating the blueberry production. Yeah, it sounds like by, by a long – is there any region? I mean, because really it's an interconnected region geographically between B.C., Washington, Oregon, uh, California somewhat as well. Is there any other region in the world that produces that amount of blueberries? Uh, well, for Mexico produces less than the U.S., but they produce a little more than Washington. They surpassed us this year, but that is as a country with all their growing regions combined. Right. And, of course, Peru uh, now uh, far outproduces uh uh, Washington. Um, of course, they don't export all of it to here. We're their number one export market. So we definitely we have 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 challenges. Um, you know, imports are definitely our number one threat. Um, you might find it interesting to note that Whatcom County, along with with uh, Skagit County, has the latest fruit in North America. And so when they are in the marketplace at the end of the year, no one else used to have fruit in that time. And it was a highly lucrative market. And now Peru can produce counter-cyclically to us. And they're increasingly approaching into that late market that was a uh, Northwest Washington um, uh, high, high point. So, but that that's a that's a fresh market factor, right? As opposed to a frozen market. What is the breakdown between fresh and frozen in Washington State? Okay, that is an excellent point. Um, we are projecting. I mean, based on what we've seen so far, is we're sixty percent processed and thirty five percent fresh. Hmm. And Wacom, Wacom is even more processed. Than, than that. But the amount of process, um, the amount of fresh being produced in Whatcom County is increasing. There's been a lot of late season blueberries uh, planted, uh, particularly the variety Calypso. And that is that is a variety that is being machine picked fresh, which is a striking new development in yeah. the blueberry industry. That's what I was just going to say. Fresh market for for a long time has represented uh, so much more cost and challenge because it required hand harvest. Whether you know strawberries, which still you, you can't really machine harvest, red raspberries, which if you're going to do fresh. Uh, pretty much impossible, at least with the t current technology, to to do mechanical harvest. 
blueberries. It makes sense that they're the first ones, but still that was a big hurdle to cross to actually be able to produce that high a quality of fruit to be have you know mechanical harvesting equipment that was sensitive enough and and uh, varieties like you mentioned calypso being you know such that they release fruit easily enough uh, without it having to get mushed or whatever um, that you're able to produce that level of quality with a mechanical harvest that really changes the dynamic as far as the market right there are, there are three factors that goes into this. One is new genetics. In other words, new blueberry varieties like Calypso. Uh, advances in harvesting technology and growers just figuring out how to do this. Hmm. Now, we're not done with it. Um, the, uh, you know, the it has a shorter shelf life. You cannot, for example, export uh, machine-picked uh, blueberries that have to be handpicked, but we don't have enough labor and we can't afford labor, particularly with overtime involved. And so figuring out how to perfect the machine harvest of fresh blueberries is, is really essential to our, our industry. Alan Schreiber is with us right now on the farming show here on KGMI. I am Dylan Honkoop. Um, and we're just recapping kind of, as you called it uh, a couple of weeks ago at the, the small fruit uh, conference here in Linden, Alan, you called it uh, your presentation, kind of the state of the Washington blueberry industry. I guess I should have started out with, uh, with the typical question, which is, uh, uh, Mr. Schreiber is the state of the Washington, uh, blueberry commission str- or bl- blueberry industry strong, um, but from all signs that you're saying, I'm hearing yes, even though some challenges are ahead. Uh, we, we have challenges, but um, what you're seeing is you're seeing growers still plant blue, still planting blueberries or ripping out blueberries and replanting blueberries. Uh, that is a sign of uh, an industry that, that is growing. Now, we, we have some challenges. I mean, our two biggest challenges are imports, uh, primarily from Peru, but other imports and uh, availability and cost of, of labor. Um, literally, I am coming off of a two-day strategic planning meeting where we are trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, direct resources to, um, you know, address some of these challenges. One of the things that, you know, we're considering doing is is increasing our marketing effort, particularly late season, to strengthen um, our, our marketplace when Peru comes into it. Um, we're thinking about having a Buy America or, you know, Buy Washington uh, blueberry campaign. We're, uh, but we also are thinking about, uh, we are, we're going to, to be doing some frozen um, uh, frozen blueberry uh, promotions, particularly mm. we're going to do a, a big one in South Korea. Wow. South Korea, along with Japan, are two of our big our, our two biggest export markets for frozen blueberries. And we did a promotion there this year. And during the window of our promotion, it increased blueberry sales by 67% as compared to the same time period immediately before the promotion. Wow. Yeah, you, you wonder, you hear about these these trade efforts, the, the marketing efforts uh, overseas, you know, that costs some money to do that. But what I was really impressed in your presentation was the numbers that you, that you showed and you were just talking about there of the impact that actually had 
I mean, it, it almost paid for itself just in the immediate. But I think the the bigger purpose is the long term, the halo effect of doing something like that, um, getting more and more people engaged with blueberries, incorporating them into their daily lives, into their recipes, recognizing how they're easy to use, how they they're easy to get, those kinds of things. Is there any way to measure that long term benefit? We will see. Um, the uh, that that effort was designed to do. Uh, you know, we went into a hundred, like a hundred and eight retail stores, like grocery store chains, and did promotions over a two week period. You know, it wasn't designed to measure the the long term um, effect of it, but presumably we will know that by exports that goes into uh, into those countries, into yeah. those stores. We we were able to identify stores that only took frozen Washington blueberries and just target those stores. And so hopefully that will pull product through. Um, um, so sometimes marketing programs are, are hard to measure like yeah. how useful they are, but, uh, this one, this one was, we felt was a home run and we're planning to do it again next year. How do you know that those people are going to keep buying Washington blueberries? I mean, that, that's an issue. I guess we've already been touching on it with the import challenges from Peru to our domestic market. Um, now we're talking about exports to other markets. This, this issue of country of origin and consumers and their understanding of that. What, what, in your view, what, how do you tackle that to try to um, boost? Is it just a, an issue of, you know, a rising tide lifts all, all ships kind of thing? If more people are eating blueberries or are marketing Washington blueberries specifically, is that something that makes an impact with the actual consumer? You, uh, you brought up about 12 issues in, in, <laughs> yeah. in that uh, question. But let me put it this way. In this particular case, we were identif- be able to identify stores that were just taking Western f- frozen products. But if you look in that marketplace, the other two um, other two big sources of frozen blueberries are Oregon and British Columbia. Mm. And in my opinion, you know, Oregon, Washington, and British Columbia are relatively con- connected. There's probably 25, 30 million pounds of blueberries that goes from Whatcom County into British Columbia. Yeah. Some of that comes back, some of it stays. But if they end up buying, you know, a little bit of Oregon product, a little bit of British Columbia frozen product, why we're doing this promotion, that's not a bad thing. We're trying to get them to eat more frozen blueberries. And we were in that market because we knew that, A, we were the dominant player in it, but the other players in it were our allies. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. Dylan Honkoop here with you on The Farming Show here on KGMI. We're talking with Alan Schreiber right now. He's the uh, director of the Washington State Blueberry Commission. We're talking about the state of the world of blueberries in Washington. And, Alan, I'm, I'm thinking about this. You know, on one hand, it's a good sign um, that, as you said, more people are planting blueberries. Um, some blueberry fields are being taken out and replanted into to blueberries, maybe for fresh genetics. Uh, I can see a few different reasons for that. But at the same time, you know, the, the old adage is, well, is there, is there a train wreck coming? Um, and in some ways, blueberries is one of the more challenging crops to deal with that just because of the lead time to get a field from planting to full maturity, right? And you're talking, what, three to five years before you really start to get into to serious production. So, you know, at some point do the the 
the chickens come home to roost kind of thing with, with, with the market. Do we ever get ahead of ourselves here? That, that's a tough question. Um, I will tell you that um, we, we know how much blueberries are in the ground. And so we know where our industry is, is heading. Uh, in a couple of years, we'll be at 200 million pounds. Uh, we will probably top out before we get to 250 million pounds. We probably may get to or close to a quarter billion pounds. Wow. And it's all going and it's and it's all going to get sold. All this is always sold. The question becomes, you know, at what price? Yep. And so um, the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council and the Washington Blueberry Commission is working to, you know, develop export markets, stimulate demands, do things to try and keep cost of production down. But um, there's there's no no doubt that uh, there's going to be competition. They'll it'll force consolidation in the industry. Um, and you know, growers are probably not going to be making the margins in blueberries that they did five years or 10 years ago. Yeah. So buckle up basically is what you're saying. You gotta be better, have a good plan. Uh, you, you better be vertically integrated or have a good relationship with your fresh pack, uh, or processor. Well, it's been an amazing thing to see, though, the amount of demand that has been built and created. You know, I think there are some larger societal factors that were kind of moving regardless, but I think a lot of it is to the credit of folks like yourself at the state level across the country and then the, the, the national level, the American Highbush uh, Blueberry Council, all the work that has been done into showing the public that blueberries are a superfood. They're not only very good for you, but they're very tasty. They're very easy to use. And in the last 20 years, it's been incredible to see how that dynamic has grown. And I, I don't, you know, I'm no expert on it, just watching from the sidelines, but it appears that that has been able to create enough demand, move enough product to keep up with the huge growth in production that we've seen in blueberries and even fend off, you know, the, the constant challenges, competition of, of imports. So the question is, you know, how much farther that can that go? I've always, you know, I come more from the raspberry background and I've always said, you know, the ras folks in the raspberry world need to take note of this um, and the investments that you folks in blueberries have made to do this. You think that's a big part of it, and, and can you continue to build that demand, I guess? I, I think you guys have, have kind of built your own market in a lot of ways in blueberries. So I'll tell you four points. I thought it was astounding how much blueberries, you know, North America is going to produce over a billion pounds of blueberries if you throw in uh, uh, low bush blueberries, but over a billion pounds of, of blueberries. The amount we've produced has just been breathtaking. Yeah. What is more striking is there's been demand for this. There has been all the stuff gets sold most often at a fair price. The third thing is there's been an incredible amount of health research done that has documented so many health benefits of blueberries. It has like more antioxidants in it than any other fruit, uh, more than raspberry, but uh, but um, that it has developed this, there, there's so many health claims that they call it a health halo because there's a halo of health around this blueberry plant. And so that has fueled a lot of this growth. But here's the interesting thing. 
70% of households regularly consume strawberries. Hmm. 40% of households uh, regularly consume blueberries. There is so much room for growth hmm. that we can sell every one of these blueberries. We just have to put a little more work into it. And, uh, you know, blueberries are a lot easier to use year round than strawberries are in in my opinion that is that's an interesting stat alan and and encouraging for the future of of the market again alan schreiber with the washington blueberry commission there's so much that we could dig into uh, but we're out of time thank you for this update and thank you for what you're doing day in and day out to help promote um, blueberries and farming here in washington state I appreciate you giving me this opportunity to talk. I look forward to the next time.